Welcome to Ms. Lyrics Poetry Outlaws, a show about all things poetry. I'm your host, Catherine Owen. Well, it's another gorgeous day, word musicians. I'm feeling a bit down, tired of looking for my bits and piecing jobs and coming up with very little at present. Hopefully things will open out soon and enlarge my possible existence, financially speaking. But in the meantime, I'll carry on doing all the free things I do for the community uh, because it's important. Even if there's only a few people here and a few people there, you never know in what mysterious ways that people require Uh, discussions of poetry or readings of children's books or reviews of poetry texts or who knows what and when. Just put it out into the world and see what happens. So today we're on G and the next couple of letters I believe are dealing with forms. I've probably talked about these forms before but hey I can always talk about them again. I love forms Uh, experimenting with uh, somewhat traditional structures, manipulating them, recreating them, and seeing how they collide or uh, become enlarged and expanded through contemporary uh, subject matter. So you have that kind of collision of energies in the, the form structure and the material and the rhythms and, but today I'm, I'm going to read what I wrote about the glossa and the gazel, or the chazel, which would not make it a G sound, but in English it is a G sound, uh, not in its original Persian form where it was a ch sound. So I'm going to read a description of what the glossa and the gazel are and what a little bit about what I've done with them in my own work. And then I'm going to read a glossa and a gazel from two poets, one of whom I've read before, Diane Zeus, and the other one whom I'd never heard before, and her name is Naomi Foyle. I really wanted to find a glossa and a gazel I'd never read before, and perhaps by poets I'd never heard of before, and I managed that, so that's good, because sometimes, you know, we get stuck in, for instance, the, the glossa, P.K. Page, and the gazel, John Thompson, in Canada at any rate, and you start to feel a little bit um, stuck and dried out, and um, like you're not really uh, going down different routes in order to discover alternative ways of utilizing particular forms. So, the glossa and the gazel. These foreign forms are two of the small range of poetic structures that have suited my work fairly well. The glossa and intermittent pieces and the gazel even over the arc of a book, which was Shall, which came out in 2006, which I also talk about much earlier on this podcast. The glossa was popularized in Canada by P.K. Page in her Hollingram collection from 1994 and the gazel by John Thompson and Stiltjack released in 1978. The glossa has four 10-line stanzas with a rhyme scheme that usually takes the last line of each stanza from a line by another poet, usually from a consecutive four lines of theirs. Though, of course, you can just use the last line of each of these uh, four lines and they don't have to rhyme at all. And I have also written glossas on four first lines, 
started each stanza with a line from another poet and written demiglosses on only two lines. So there's many ways to experiment with this form. Regardless of how one modifies the form, however, it serves as a tribute, echoes, a conversation, and engagement with other poets. This practice is key to creating. It's a way of honoring the work of other poets and acknowledging the fact that we are all a combination of multiple sources and there is no poetry from a void, that our style and our voices are created by all that we've read and all that we've absorbed in our existences. So now to the guzzle. The guzzle in its anglicized form is really about leaping. That's how I perceive the guzzle when I wrote it. Um, traditionally, it's less the case. It tends not to use a repeated end word or the reference to the author at the close. You'll hear both of those um, stylistic features or attributes of the form in the guzzle I'm going to read. We have the repeated end word, and in fact, we have the word that comes before the end word that rhymes with the previous second to last words, plus we have the author's name at the end, so it's a much more traditional guzzle. The guzzle's aim is to twist between couplets, seemingly on a random basis, the imagery ever-shifting. However, one often finds that there are organic similitudes that emerge, emotional resonances. So that's one of the mysteries of the guzzle form that I always was drawn to, is that you think you're creating these couplets that are somehow separate and, and, and disjointed, and then you find at the end that they're actually all about love, or they're all about grief, or they're all about travel, and that makes it a really exciting form to write. Forms, even in translation, can instruct one in the core necessity of structure, containment, limitations, resistances, and how these strengthen the poem, enabling the writing of lines one never expected. So true. Okay, so I'll read Diane Zeus's Glossa. She's a fantastic poet, uh, very narrative but also never predictably so. She utilizes lines from dialogue brilliantly, and she writes a lot about poverty and mental illness and addiction, and this piece is a tribute to being a single mother uh, written in memory of how her husband left her and her son alone in 1999, and her son... Uh, ended up with a variety of mental health issues and addictions and is now emerging from that. But she's drawing her four lines from Anton Chekhov's Typhus, which are, How miserable I am, he muttered. My God, how miserable. And joy gave way to the boredom of everyday life and the feeling of irrevocable loss. So Diane Zeus is taking her lines from prose and turning them into four lines for her poem. So Diane Zeus Glossa. He took to reading Chekhov late at night and studied up on Fox, Talbot, and Callotypes, watched the History Channel, anything on Lincoln or the Civil War, Caligula, who cut off tongues and fucked his sister. After Chekhov, he'd head downstairs, putter with a model plane, or pull the lint out of the dryer screen, sometimes lie fetal on the couch, make toast, unbuttered. How miserable I am, he muttered. Why Chekhov and not Kafka or Conrad? Why Talbot and not Daguerre? Lincoln and not Adams or FDR? John Wilkes Booth and not Leon Zolgaz or Charles Guiteau? Why model planes and not carved decoys in the attic? 
All the while, he was affable and focused, building a wooden box camera and writing an early history of photography. Grief, like photographs, inerasable. My God, how miserable. I'm thinking back on childhood. He sucked his fingers, not his thumb. He seemed happy but had trouble sleeping, afraid of the dark. Aren't all children afraid of the dark? Only later came the other things, the unspeakable. It reminds me of that deer we hit, the knife my then-husband took to its throat, as men do, letting one brand of suffering cancel out another. That deer was a door to years of grief, and joy gave way to the boredom of everyday life. Chekhov's stories are essentially plotless. Mirsky wrote they are a biography of a mood, and Chekhov himself hoped to write with the objectivity of a chemist. Bored, he traveled 5,000 miles, 3,000 in a rickety carriage drawn by horse to the penal colony on Sakhalin Island. Chekhov in ill health, suffering, trotting his way through wilderness toward imprisoned sufferers, all to cross paths with a feeling of irrevocable loss. And a gazelle written during the pandemic, Touch Me, by... Naomi Foyle, who's a British-Canadian poet based in Brighton, UK. Yes, COVID, dementia, cancer may touch me. To the whole damn world, I say, touch me. Let the flight of starlings, the light on the sea like the lash of a stingray, touch me. Hunger, wildfires, a black man choked by police, a dead child on a beach, I pray, Touch me. Mother Earth, Father Time, shake open your arms like spring gales down the Champs-Élysées. Touch me. Oh, you, my new lover, tested untrue with your gardener's fingers and feet of clay. Touch me. Before poems are illegal, kissing a crime, before my pen withers, lips decay, don't delay. Touch me. Should Naomi's gazelle fail to melt hearts at least, let it chorus that inflamed cliché, touch me. You've been listening to Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws. Stay fierce, word musicians.